Hello and welcome to A Month in Neurodegenerative Research or the A-Minder podcast. Usually on this podcast, we summarize the latest literature on Alzheimer's disease, but today we have a special episode with an interview with Gina Martin from the Bob and Diane Fund. Welcome to A Minder, a podcast where we summarize the latest publications on Alzheimer's disease for you, so you can spend more time doing awesome research. For every month, you'll find a series of episodes by theme, and each comes with a bibliography. Whether you're in the lab, on the bus, or cooking your meal, we hope you find this podcast useful and accessible. My name is Nyla. I'm your podcast host for today. I'm a postdoctoral student at McGill University, and my research and creation explores the use of the performing arts to bridge scientific research with lived experience of neurodegenerative conditions. As part of that, I led the co-creation of a performance about dementia that was created by people living with dementia, caregivers, that is family members, uh, researchers, neuroscientists studying dementia and Alzheimer's disease, and performing artists. So I'm very excited for today's guest. I'm very excited to speaking with Gina Martin about the use of the arts, whether visual arts or performing arts, to communicate uh, and tell stories around dementia. So Gina Martin, welcome to the podcast. And uh, could you tell us a little bit about yourself to start? Sure. Um, thank you for that nice intro. And thank you for inviting me to do this. I'm glad we've been, we were able to finally connect. Um, again, my name is Gina Martin, and I started the Bob and Diane Fund in 2016. It is named after my parents. Um, my mom was diagnosed with Alzheimer's in 2010, 2011. All of a sudden, I can't remember. And she lived with the disease for five years. Um, okay, I take that back because she died in 2012. So I'm a little off there. Um, and my dad was her loyal caregiver. They were married just under 50 years, and he died just three months shy of her death. Um, he died on his birthday. And I wanted to honor both of them in naming the fund after them. And what made me start it was I had worked for National Geographic for 21 years, and I love photography. I love photographers. I try to support photographers, I buy books, I buy their prints, and and there was a point where I wanted to start giving um, a grant to a photographer, and I thought of like a few different options, and a friend of mine said, why don't you start a grant on Alzheimer's and name it after your mom? And I was like, how did I never think of this? <laughs> so I did that instead, I named it after both of them. Mm -hmm. And that started the Bob and Diane Fund in 2016. So as I said, my mom died in 2011. My dad died in 2012. Mm -hmm. um, and I give about $10,000 a year, but a $5,000 grant to a photographer who is working on a story already that is related to Alzheimer's or dementia. Great. That's Thank you for that introduction. And what a... What a way of combining your personal story with what you were already passionate about in terms of photography. And it does seem like such a perfect fit in terms of, and, and this is one of the topics I'd, I'd like to get into in terms of how we tell stories and what, of course, what we can convey in a picture versus words. Um, but before we get into that, could you tell us a bit more about the, the fund specifically? So mm -hmm. uh, including the, the winner of this past year's, uh, award. Yes. So the fund's, um, mission is to bring a visual awareness to this disease that so many people do not understand. And it's kind of a disease that has been in the shadows. It's not like cancer or others and people who have dementia or family members with dementia. It's sometimes a hush-hush disease that people don't want to talk about it. Yeah. And I realize just how many people don't understand what the disease is. So I wanted to bring a visual awareness to it. 
Um, the disease is not just forgetting someone's name or accidentally putting your phone in the refrigerator. It is yeah. so much more. And working at National Geographic for as long as I did, I saw firsthand how visual storytelling can make a difference. It can change perception. Mm-hmm. It can change policy. So that was the reasoning behind what we were doing is being able to give the photographer some money to help kickstart it. The project is already like they've already, we are judging the actual project. So the money is to help them either get it into a book form because it's expensive to publish a book, photography book, or help them pay for an exhibit. But once a photographer, once we have chosen the photographer, and I'll go, I'll explain that in a little bit. Um, I work really hard in getting that work published. Um, I'm very fortunate that the Washington Post announces our winner every year, either in print or online. And then I've had it published on the New York Times, Huffington Post, NPR, ARP. I mean, and then publications worldwide, BBC just published us. So I've been very fortunate in that regard. It's the only grant of its kind. And it was kind of what I did at National Geographic, working with other publications. So I just kind of throw the net out wide and hope people pick it up. Um, So, yeah, so the grant, this is our seventh year. And each year we get, we usually get between 50 and 60 60 submissions. So like the first year, I had no idea. Yeah. What was out there? And this was worldwide. Not a clue. Wow. I didn't know if I was going to get five or a hundred. So we get about 50 to 60 submissions. This year we got 92. Oh my. And these okay. are already existing projects. I was right. so surprised on our number this year. And the strange thing is, like clockwork, almost every year is from 25 countries. And there are 25 different countries, but it's always about 25. So anywhere obviously from the U.S. to to, um, South America, Iran, New Zealand, Poland. It's everywhere. It has really covered the whole world because it is a global disease. Um, So we really try to reach out to every corner of the world and get the word out of our grant. And um, this year's winner for 20, sorry, 2023's winner um, is Helen Rommel who is from, she lives in the London area, but she is um, from Wales. So she's a Welsh photographer. And um, she did this just absolutely beautiful project on um, her mother. And it's just, um, it's on our website, which is um, bobanddianefun.org. And it's just gorgeous. um, It's called No Longer Her, parentheses with an E, so also No Longer Here. And um, it's her journey as her mother's sole caregiver. For the listeners, we will include a link in the episode notes because it is strange to be talking about something that is so visual. Um, But I I had a look and yeah, it's really stunning work. I think what really struck me was the attention to detail, like these really Mm -hmm. simple scenes and I, I think that's been a bit of a through line in, in the works that I've seen is that a lot of it is the day to day and exactly yes. as you said it's such a uh it's a disease that's very hush hush and that we mm-hmm. we don't really bring out into the open and so especially as a caregiver to have such continuous insight into what it's like to live with dementia day to day um, I found it in the works that I've seen that there's this real attention to detail and to these things that we often pass by in our day, but that are um, that are changed when you have dementia. You know, these activities of daily living, yeah, um, that become challenging or become very different, and um, it really struck a chord with me. This this last work. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, it's beautiful work, and I will say. So we have two judges who have judged every year, and that is Sarah Lean, who was the former director of photography for National Geographic Magazine, mm-hmm. and Chip Somadavia, who is a Getty um, staff photographer here in D.C. And mm-hmm. um, then each year we have a guest judge from 
AARP to NPR to the Washington Post. We've had just different people come and judge with Sarah and Chip. And this was Helen's first submission. We've had other winners where it was the second or even the mm. third time they submitted and they won. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's interesting because we take submissions from professional photographers and non amateur and non-professional mm-hmm. photographers. Yes, the professional photographer really usually does win because we are, I mean, first it's the board. I mean, the judging is by real people who love photography. We do look at the proposal, what you're going to do with the money and then how this has affected your life and what your story is about. But having the, you know, former director of photography for the National Geographic magazine, she is really looking at the images Right. And how it's edited and how mm-hmm. it's sequenced. You know, you don't necessarily want to submit a story of 24 color pictures and then put one black and white in there. It's <laughs> right. And yeah. sometimes I'm like, you guys, it's just one picture. Let's let that one go. <laughs> but yeah. So, uh, but it's hard. Every year we get it down to about five yeah. and then trying to narrow it down. Every year, it comes to about four hours of judging. And I think if I have the number correctly, and I might not, I should have looked it up. In the amount of time that we judge, 187 people have been diagnosed. Wow. So I wow. try to figure that out each time. And when I thank all the submitters, I let them know why we're doing this and mm-hmm. how many people have been diagnosed. And um, yeah, so it's important. And going back to the photography, it's It's just so interesting. I've now seen seven, we've had seven different grantees and they've been very different, Mm -hmm. but in a way similar in the fact that the little details of what it's like living with it. Yeah. I I have a few responses. Um, Just firstly, in thinking about, you know, professional versus amateur photography or first time Mm -hmm. submissions, et cetera. It is a, I'm, I'm interested in this question because when we were creating the performance, so I mentioned at the beginning, um, the peace of mind performance on, on dementia, we did have a mix of professional artists and neuroscientists who, who also have a, a passion for dance or for music, et cetera. And I think I, I really appreciated this mix, but it, the the question arises, you know, artistic skill and quality. A, a certain degree of artistic expertise is necessary in order to communicate the experience properly. Exactly. I, yes. I, I don't know if I'm expressing that properly, but no, you're right. Um, I mean, you kind of have to be a storyteller to yeah. properly tell the story. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah, and that's absolutely true. There have been a few projects where they're just kind of not abstract pictures, but maybe don't actually tell a story. Um, And they still are great, but the ones we have chosen really have. I think there was a project this year um, that we looked at that it, it was amazing. Mm -hmm. His um, his photographer's name is Russell Hart. His mother passed away and he had to go into her home and start going through her things. And, She was um, a bit of a hoarder Mm -hmm. and shot this in black and white, but he documented all her belongings and the way she um, kept her things, prepared her things for when she was gone Mm -hmm. from letters to paper clips to bathroom hair ties to you name it. And he photographed it just looking down into the drawer. So it was really just the drawer with the, or the box or the box with the items in it, nothing outside of it. Mm. In fact, there was never even a photograph of his mother. It was just her belongings. And that was really powerful. Um, So there are different ways. And I remember when I first started this grant, someone had told me, how do you document dementia. And let me go back. I always say Alzheimer's because that's what my mother had, but Mm -hmm. I mean all forms of dementia Mm -hmm. and we give Mm -hmm. grants for all forms. Um, And I didn't know the answer to that at the time because I hadn't started it yet, but I knew people were doing it. Um, And I said, well, we'll see how Mm -hmm. you do. And 
you people definitely do. Um, it could be from our first grantee, uh, Maya Daniels. She was working on a project of like senior living, if I have it right. But she worked at a hospital in northern France in the, um, I, I wasn't called the dementia ward, but a ward like that, where the people living with it were in the ward where they could not get out. It was locked from the inside. So she documented the patients standing at the door that had a window waiting for their loved ones, wow. holding onto the handle, yeah. looking through the window. And that was really what the project was. It was so powerful. And that was, she didn't have it in her family. She was not a caregiver. Mm -hmm. It was something that she cared about and she went and documented it. Mm -hmm. Whereas Stephen Dorado, one of our winners, photographed his father over like 20 years with a large format camera. And as his father's was diagnosed and then the progression of it, he continued mm -hmm. documenting him. Um, and so it's really interesting to see the different ways yeah. that people have done it for, as the actual caregiver, as a family member who has it, as someone who's just wants to go document it. Yeah, it's it's been really um, interesting to see all the different ways. Yeah. Yeah. How people approach the topic, what they focus mm -hmm. on, what they see. And it makes me think... Um, in research, like in scientific or in, let's say in qualitative research, because now right. I've really switched from doing neuroscience to getting into qualitative methods and interviews and, um, the, the use of photo in interviews is, is increasingly, I think, recognized as sparking or, or being able to capture something of that person's experience in a way that you can't when you come in for an interview and it's very, um, predetermined questions and, uh, to allow yeah. someone to take a camera into their, into their day and just document what catches their eye really, mm -hmm. really helps for, at least in qualitative research, conveying the experience. So I, I, I think there needs to be more of that in research. Um, and this is my own little soapbox, but that we need to integrate more of the senses in how we try to ask questions about people's experiences. Um, because when it, when you're in a room and just doing an interview, so much gets missed and so much just doesn't even come up because you don't have the yeah. senses involved. And so. then when you're looking at someone's visual storytelling, you see more, you're able to like, oh, you know, kind of, maybe what you don't see in your everyday life of living with it, you can see it in someone else's visual storytelling, mm -hmm. which then can, you know, um, can bring um, communication and more discussions mm -hmm. around it. Um, yeah. I always say like the reason why we do this is obviously to bring a visual awareness, but bringing a visual awareness then makes someone understand the disease. Right. Once yeah. they understand yeah. it, okay, now I want to, I really like want to support this. So I'm mm -hmm. going to start following people. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now I want to start giving money to organizations that are doing something. And then the more money they raise, the more we're going to find a cure. And I really do believe from that picture that the BBC News just published is going to help someone want to now start supporting yeah, yeah. different organizations financially, which then really does help research, which then will hopefully bring us to a cure. Yeah. And that is the whole purpose behind it. Thanks for putting in it into those words. I, I, it really resonates with me. That was also the purpose behind peace of mind. Um, so in the performances we created, it really is about letting the arts tell the story differently and be different doors of entry into engaging with the topic. And yes, I like to think of it as a scaffold for dialogue. You know, like when you read a paper, it's so, it's dry, it's, it's cognitive and, um, it doesn't come to life in the same way. Exactly. And that's what the arts allow is, yeah, for it to bring you in emotionally and move you. And then hopefully we can harness that, that movement to, as you said, have people, you know, be more empathetic and act. Mm -hmm. um, on that topic, have you, 
I'm I'm curious if you've traced any of that impact. It's very hard to yeah, measure it, the impact. Yeah, that is hard. Um, yes, in the fact that you know so many people support financially support what we're doing, which is amazing. Um, I'm very active in the photo community, and I go to photo festivals and portfolio reviews. And people know me as the Bob and Diane Fund. I mean, mm. just as much as they knew me for with National Geographic. Mm. People uh, totally associate me with Alzheimer's. So people are constantly sending me things, which I think is great because yeah. it's now on their mind and they know when they see something or anything or if they now are being exposed, you know, there's someone in their family has been diagnosed, they call me. So in that way, yes, um, we just did our very first exhibit after, you know, six, seven years. I really wanted to do one, but to me, that was just such a huge undertaking. So we did one last year, June, 2023 at Photoville, which is this amazing um, organization in Brooklyn that um, does exhibits during a certain time of the year, but also has them year round throughout the five boroughs in New York. And we got to have um, an outdoor exhibit right in Dumbo, which was amazing. And we had one side of each of the piece to one winner. So what was that? Six sides. And I was traveling for most of it. It was up for at least a month. I was traveling for over three weeks of it. So I made it to the last weekend in New York. And I sat on a bench in the shade and just watched people interact Mm -hmm. with the exhibit. Mm -hmm. And I was blown away. I, people were just walking by. I mean, a lot of the exhibits get attention, but I noticed people were just kind of walking by. A lot of the exhibits have a lot of writing. Mm -hmm. Ours were really strong, large images. And so many people stopped Mm -hmm. and looked at ours, read every word, looked at Mm -hmm. every side of it. Mm -hmm. And I really noticed this. Um, I went up, when I saw people really engaged with it, I would go up and introduce myself and tell them that this is my nonprofit. And they would ask me a question that I'd go back and sit on the bench. And then they came over and asked me more questions. And I thought that was really cool. Um, I loved it. It yeah. was, but so in that way, I saw it like people were really engaged. Am I making an impact on, you know, raising money for research? I have no idea. <laughs> I hope we are. Yeah. But yeah. I think collectively, there are so many different organizations. And I think as a whole, the whole dementia community is making a huge impact because it really is large. I mean, there are so many different organizations, nonprofits, um, everything that people are doing research that I absolutely do believe that we are making a difference. Um, And I think everybody helps to that. I I also think that you're making a difference. I, I, especially in, uh, shaping the narrative around dementia. And I think that that's a topic I, I wanted to get into because there's, I'm curious what you think about the current public discourse around dementia, what you think about things like a tragedy narrative that really focus on the loss and the grief and the tragedy of dementia. And, and that is something we struggled with in peace of mind is how do we both acknowledge that very big loss and grief uh, felt both mm-hmm. by the person and by the family and also celebrate the moments of connection or the resilience or the new, yeah. you know, in reading some of the photo essays, uh, the new relationship that came out of uh, being a caregiver for, for a mother, for example, with dementia. So I'm, I'm curious what you think about, you know, how, how are you with the organization and with the, the winners, the grantees, how are you shaping the narrative around dementia? Yeah, um, that's very interesting. And I I kind of have not two different thoughts on this, but there are different ways that dementia affects people. I mean, yes, it's bad, it's ugly, it you know, it's a horrible disease. But not everyone's experience is the same. It will probably get there eventually to the really ugly part of it, but it doesn't always start out that way. And what I mean by that is 
I have met people living with the disease, not in my family. And this one woman, she's in New York, and she is very, um, she lives life. She definitely, she's been diagnosed. Her husband travels with her, but she still really contributes to the conversation, which then her and her husband had approached me at an event and they asked me to do this um, campaign program that I did. And it was um, called Still Living, which Mm -hmm. photo stills and Mm -hmm. still living as in they are still contributing to society. And I do believe that some people, the dementia they are going to live with it longer and maybe still contribute longer. But there are people who are living with it that don't just need to be discarded and ignored and put into a home. There are people who live with it today um, that are contributing to society. So I think that you can, you know, talk about the narrative that way. And so this program that I did, and we did it the year before COVID, because the it was a photo contest of one picture by people living with the disease. So I wanted to open it up to people living with it to give them something yeah. like that they got to do, which was apply to a co- photo contest. Hmm. And it was the um the subject was what brings you joy. Hmm. And they could take, it was either taking a current picture or submitting a picture that they took in their lifetime Hmm. and, and how it brought them joy. And we got like maybe 30 something submissions and it was really, it was great, but you know, we had to make it as easy as possible the submissions and all that, because not only is it people with dementia, but it's usually an older, um, Hmm. I mean, I am Gen X and I still have trouble with technology. So you know, we had to really make it much easier. And um, we had three winners and we gave them a, a monetary gift. And it was really cool. And then the next year was COVID and we couldn't do it because yeah. we had hoped like their grandson will help them upload the picture to mm. the website and all that. And right. that's with COVID, they, there wasn't that type of interaction, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. So that I kind of went off a little bit. But in that regard, with the narrative is that you can live with dementia and still contribute. Mm-hmm. Then there's the ugly side of it. And people do need to know that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I um, recently watched a documentary documentary that Lauren Miller Rogan and Seth Rogan have done. It's not out yet. It's out next year. And I saw an early screening of it. And it's about her experience with her mother. And her and I've talked about it. And I know the story of her mother. But seeing it visually in the documentary, her experience with dementia was much different than my mom's, Hmm. um, much different. And it's just interesting that people go through it differently. Some, you know, it could be, I'm not saying hers was, but more violent or more verbal. Um, my mom's was mostly just well, for the first, like, you know, probably right before she died, just more of the repeating um, yeah. and not as much as the, we never, she didn't leave the house and get lost and, or, you know, pull out a kitchen knife and that happens. Um, so we were fortunate in that way. Um, I should also say with my mom, we were fortunate and my brother doesn't like when I say the word fortunate, <laughs> but. I believe my mom, we were just about to put her into a home when she was diagnosed with cancer. Mm. And we knew we weren't going to treat the cancer because she was so, it was also pretty far. They said she had three months to live and she died six weeks later. So cancer actually is what my mother eventually died of. Right. But for me, she died knowing who we were. Mm. So to me, the cancer was a gift. I hate to say that I went through yeah. cancer two years ago, so I don't wish cancer on anyone, but I do not wish Alzheimer's on anyone. And yeah. we were so close to putting her in a home and I was dreading the day that she would forget us. And we didn't experience that luckily. Mm-hmm. So, but I have friends who, you know, have experienced it in such a different way. And it's so sad. Um, my cousin has it now and she is someone who's really happy. 
She smiles all the time and laughs all the time. Mm. That I had, don't see much at Anymore. all. Or, or, or from any, or, no, okay, from other people. Another, yeah, because yeah, usually they get meaner um, and sad and depressed. But my cousin, um, she smiles and just laughs. She doesn't know what she's laughing about sometimes and just <laughs> doesn't totally understand a conversation. But instead of getting upset, she laughs and yeah. she smiles. So that's, you know, a totally different interaction. Yeah. And um, I, I, sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I don't know if I quite answered your question. Oh, I but, think, I think okay. you did. Yeah. I, I think it, it's a complex you know, how do we shape a narrative or what side do we portray, I think is is complicated. And especially, I was going to say, of course, it it is a very different experience from one person to the next, because we're all different yeah. people. But and, yeah. and I have had I have had the experience in some of my work. Um, last year, I participated in a research project called Open Hearts, Open Minds, or actually mm. Open Minds, Open Hearts. And mm -hmm. the the aim of the project was to um, promote intergenerational exchange and the social inclusion of people living with dementia through mm -hmm. by bringing college students together with people with dementia and caregivers. And so here in Montreal, we were doing that with circus students, um, students at the National Circus School. And so we brought oh. the students into a day center for people living with dementia and we played with like juggling balls and um, various little circus props and it was so fun it was such I a meaningful yeah just such a meaningful exchange and very silly like it was also embracing actually maybe silly is the wrong word but just being playful with one another yes, and playful. embracing yeah. you know the the randomness at times or the spontaneity which is something that I, I, we had talked previously about the Reimagining Dementia Coalition, and that's something that they're really um, yep. hoping to to promote as well. Is this, you know, how can we reimagine our interactions with people with dementia to bring about some of those more positive interactions? And that's awareness. Yeah. yeah. Two things to that, because when you bring up college students, so I saw something. I read it somewhere. I don't know if it's Denmark, but it's somewhere in Europe where they have um, a home for people living with dementia, where they have college students living in the facility. Mm -hmm. They get free um, rent. They yeah. have an apartment, but they have to commit to so many hours a week or a month. I'm not sure what it was to spend time to volunteer with people living with it. So they ride bikes. They're usually like a um, a tandem like, bike, yeah, and yeah. so and they can play cards. But they get free living expenses, and then they interact with the people living there. I thought that was so cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm pretty sure I would it was love to see that. Students. I, I know. I'd love to see that here, and I hope that projects like like these do lead to policy changes or yes. lead to initiatives like that. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I, the Bob and Diane Fund is fortunate enough. To, we do partner with HFC, which is Hilarity for Charity, um, mm -hmm. Lauren and Seth Rogan's mm -hmm. organization. And for the last three years, we've been doing a program called Humans of Dementia, and it's for high school and college students. Mm -hmm. So this year, or 2023, we were able to make it a scholarship. So we were giving um, small um, monetary prizes, but then we just weren't, the word wasn't getting out there enough and we were able to get it as a scholarship. So it was listed with all these other scholarships. Mm -hmm. So we give, you could either submit writing and you could write something about your experience with dementia and your family or however you are exposed to it or through photography. Mm -hmm. So we give three winners, three writing winners for high school, mm -hmm. three photo winners for high school, and then the same three for college and then three for college again for yeah. the other. And it's been great. Um, and I think that engaging people at that age, mm -hmm. high school and college on this subject, because people, I mean, you just don't know. It could be a high school students, grandparents are living yeah. with them. 
and they are exposed to it at a younger age. So, um, but it's been really interesting reading their written submissions or seeing the images that they submit of what it's like at, um, at their age dealing with it. Yeah, it's, it also came out, uh, when I, when we did Peace of Mind and created the performance on dementia, um, the participants of the project really highlighted that high school students should be a target audience for this work. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, like, as you said, they might have a grandparent who has dementia, and then depending on how the family is dealing with it, um, sometimes they only really catch glimpses of that or don't have a, a full understanding or awareness of what that means. And so I, I, I think that that's a great initiative to yeah. bring more awareness and opportunity for them to share their perspective. I had met this woman quite a few years ago, and I don't know if she's a teacher anymore. She was based in New York, and she had a student, and I think she it was like, it was not high school, so it was earlier than that, um, who was, I think, always late and she, or mm-hmm. couldn't get his homework done. And so she talked to him, and he's like, you know, I'm sorry, but um, my grandmother lives with us, and I have to help mm-hmm. take care of her. She's got dementia. And then she found out a couple of other students and they were like, I'm going to say like fifth, sixth grade also had it in their family. So she started a curriculum on it. And I thought that was amazing. And whether it was the semester or maybe a one or two month curriculum, just the fact that she created this. So the three kids at her class could feel included, but for the other students to understand what they were going through. Yeah. Yeah, that was so special. Yeah. So I mean you've you've spoken now about a few different initiatives and highlighted some other work being done around this. Um I'm curious if you have other suggestions or any favorite artistic work. So I'm I'm thinking as well of um The Father. If you've seen The Father, it was a film mm. about the experience oh, yeah. of dementia and are there any you would recommend in particular or any thoughts on other artistic work? Um, um, it's funny. I have seen The Father and um, the one with Julianne Moore, which has just com- completely escaped my brain right oh, now. Still Alice. Yeah, but it took me a long time to watch those, um, yeah. quite a few years after my mom died. Yeah. And I don't always watch a lot of films. There is one coming up that I do want to see with um, Jessica Chastain, I think it is. But sometimes I shy away from those. Mm-hmm. But I remember when my mom was living with it that I read The 36 Hour Day. That was really helpful. It was a good book. Um, That's I been remember. recommended. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I may not. And then obviously, if when this documentary by um, Lauren and Seth through Hilarity for Charity comes out, um, I think this year, I would highly recommend it. It was so well done. Mm-hmm. Um, but kind of, I'm going to go back a little bit to the photography, because um, f- people reach out to me a lot with um, films. Yeah. I get <laughs> contacted all the time. Are you ever going to take films, video? Mm. And- Unfortunately, we don't. Um, I'm I'm a still photography lover, mm-hmm. and that is what I know. I don't know films, and so I don't know if I'll ever expand to that. But recently, we partnered um, with Dementia Spring, and they are an organization that um, works with. They help artists tell new stories of dementia through different types of art, through music and mm-hmm. dance and film and poetry and so we've partnered with them where we share contacts so mm-hmm. whenever I get people who I mean it's regularly that I get filmmakers reach out to me um so but photography is where my heart is yeah. and we did give a grant in 2023 to a young female woman photographer to start a project it was mm. she hadn't started anything her grant she lives in California her grandparents live, or she lives in Northern California. Her grandparents live in Southern California. And I, we gave her $3,000 to help start a project to document her grandparents. Mm. And I love that. Um, mm-hmm. We judged it by her proposal. And I looked at her website and kind of to see what type of photographer she was. Yeah. And I thought that was, I, I want to do more of that. I don't right. want to just um, 
give to existing mm-hmm. projects. I want to give it to like a small town newspaper where the mm-hmm. local journalist is worked on a story and wants to continue. I want to support that person. Yeah. yeah. Um, who may not have the opportunities out there to get grants and, right. you know, yeah. And who, and yeah, give them an opportunity to embark on their own journey through exactly yeah, discovering how they would portray it or how they would mm-hmm. capture it. Yeah. Hello, A-Minder listeners. It's me, Anusha. Did you know that we're recruiting volunteers to join our incredible podcast team? We're looking for people with an interest in AD research to help us sort or summarize abstracts, host or edit episodes, generate bibliographies, market, or engage with social media. Or maybe you could help us automate some of these processes with machine learning. As long as you have a few hours each month, it's a great opportunity not only to help us put out useful and accessible episodes for the AD research community, but also to help practice your own literature review skills and science communication skills. If that sounds interesting, please send us a short message with the role that you're interested in, as well as a CV to aminderpodcast at gmail.com. That's A-M-I-N-D-R podcast at gmail.com. We would love to have you join our fantastic team. If you don't have the time to join but still want to support us, please leave us a review on the platform you listen to us with and share our podcast with your peers. Thank you so much for your time and for your loyalty. Now... Back to the episode. I I have a a personal question. Um, okay. Just in you know where what led you to lead uh, to start the Bob and Diane Fund and where you're at now? How has all of the different work that you've seen and judged and funded over the years has that changed how you how you look back at your own experience with your mom and with oh your that's a well. really good question no one's ever asked me that <laughs> oh great so <laughs> I will say if I knew then what I know now hmm. I would never have started this hmm. because I would never have thought I could do it ever wow wow I am amazed at what I have built in seven years yeah I never could have imagined it when I wanted to start giving, so I wanted to start with $5,000. And when I had said, oh, I've got this extra 5000 and I want to support someone, I was going to give it to this um, country, um, the small country, and five photographers from there. I, I don't want to say where. And I thought $1,000 would be a mm-hmm. decent amount of money for each of them. And my friend's like, that's amazing but you have no connection to this place. (laughs) I've never even been there. And that's when he said, you should do it on this. And he Mm. was so right. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to write a check for $5,000 every year. I'll come out of my, I'll pay for it. And that will be it. I'll send the check a year later. I'll write another Mm. check a year later. Mm. And my friend who has a nonprofit as well, she's like, no, 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 no. (laughs) You need to start a board. You need to have bylaws. I stopped her. I'm like, nope. Nope, nope, nope. I can't do that. She's like, yes, you can. And I'm going to help you. And so we did. And then we made it a 501c3 because people wanted to start donating. Mm. And I wasn't in a position to give them tax receipts. And so we made it a 501c3. And, you know, the first year time.com announced the grant and announced the winner. And I was like, oh my gosh. I mean, our first year, we got so much press. Mm-hmm. And I've been learning as it goes, but now like every year I'm like, what, if, I wonder how long I'm going to do this for, but like, how would it, how could I end it? Yeah. And then we announced the winner and then I'm all excited to like yeah. market it. And and I always research where that person's from and really try to um, find publications in those areas. Right. And so I'll just like focus, you know, on the UK or, you know, we had from Iran and different places. And then I get really excited. Like Mm -hmm. today I just found out that ARP is going to publish it again. Thrilled. Mm -hmm. Um, So there are times when 
maybe I'm overwhelmed. I'm not sure. Or if I think, you know, where is this even going to go? Or how long is this going to go? Then I get super excited when I see the work, see mm-hmm. the winner, mm-hmm. and then I get to market it and get it out there. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't imagine not doing this. But I've definitely, when my mom had it, I talked about it a lot. I took no pictures of her, which I re- wow. I probably regret. I think um, I interviewed her and my dad when she had the disease, but it wasn't that far yet. So she was yeah. still able to talk. Um, my dad told more stories than she did, mm-hmm. but I'm so grateful for that. But I didn't document a whole lot. It was really, I mourned my mom during her illness much right. more than I did when she died. Yeah. Yeah. Um, much more. So I was really mourning her during that. So it was hard for me to document it. I mean, I'm amazed when I'm looking at this work and people are documenting their parents. And, you know, and I'll also say, I get this, like in the Washington Post when they, for this year's, I read the comments and I'm not a photographer and I'm not anything where I've ever done anything where someone's going to write about me. So when I see some of the negative comments, it does hurt or it does bother me. But so many people say, how did that mother give consent? How, how can they show this? This is horrible. I don't agree with that. I mean, one of our winners, um, she started the project when her mom was not quite diagnosed and she, they agreed to do this project yeah, together. Yeah, yeah. And yes, she got to a point where she couldn't say, let's stop, but a child's not really going to take advantage of them that way. And, a, yeah. you know, a, an artist and we need to see this, whether it's good, bad, or the ugly, mm-hmm. we need to see the ugly side of the disease because that's yeah. what it is. This is not a fun disease. Yeah. And I started commenting or replying to some of the comments. And I thought, thank God I'm not an actor because <laughs> I had to read bad reviews. Oh my gosh. Um, so I'm kind of amazed at some of the negativity we get yeah. when the work is published. I I think it it is a very interesting ethical question. It's certainly one you encounter in research, um, especially, you know, doing research with people with dementia. There are a lot of questions about consent and Mm -hmm. what we can, um, what we can do research on, what we can publish, et cetera, of someone when it's not, or when there's a progression from a, a time that they could consent to a time that they can no longer consent. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. and the, I think the, it's important to be asking those questions mm-hmm. and to be finding ways to, to ascertain consent. And yet another response is often just to cut those people out of research then like to cut out vulnerable populations whether it be mm-hmm. you know children or people living with dementia to just say oh well it's too hard it's too much of an ethical quagmire so we're just not going to include them at all and as you said um we need to see these stories and we need yeah. to see the the ugly side of this disease and of life in general and, and exactly and i will never compare it to war but it's the same with war You've got to see the images to understand what the heck is going on. Mm. Um, but, you know, like I said, I'm not comparing it to that. But people, you know, cancer is different. Um, and you need to understand this disease. But when you had asked me, like, what I kind of learned from it, I I more, it's not as much as what I've learned, but how just impressed I am by people who have the strength to right. document yeah. these stories yeah. that As I wish I did. I, yeah, I didn't have that strength yeah. at all. And I really admire that. Yeah. And um, some of the stuff, it could, it could be really special. Um, Stephen Dorado's project on his dad is a special project. And I mean, they're beautiful images and he's going to have that with, you know, with him mm-hmm. forever. Um, and that I admire. Yeah. Yeah. It, what an, what a beautiful way to, to spend time differently with a loved one and to, mm-hmm. yeah, to frame it differently, literally. Yeah. But I think yeah. to engage yeah. with the experience on, on another level, if you, yeah. if you have the wherewithal in the moment to do it mm-hmm. yeah, and the courage. Mm-hmm. 
We are almost at an hour here. So I oh think. Oh my gosh, um, that was the fastest was, hour. I feel like yeah. we could sit and talk about this. I would, I would love to continue the conversation and I hope we can another time. It's. Yes, it's really I would love that. Pleasure. Thank oh, you. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you for inviting me and sharing our work with your audience through the link. Um, and I just really encourage people to look at our grantees page yeah. and just see the work that we have supported over the years um, and feel free if you want to support us, yeah. but um, really it's looking at the work and um, appreciating what these photographers have done. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank you. I will include both uh, a link to the Bob and Diane fund and the most recent grantee. Um, and I'll you. also include, I think, peace of mind <laughs> since we referenced it. Throughout. Yes, yes, please do. Is, is there anything else you would like to share or or any further links or anything that we should? Um, we should um, no, um, you know, just I think most of your audience understands what this mm -hmm. is and obviously has an interest in it. So maybe just, you know, sharing the word with you know their audience of what we you are doing what i'm doing and just continuing bringing awareness great yeah. thank you it it's really been an honor thank you for taking the time and i'm so glad we finally I managed too. to find the time to do it and i just see so much overlap and so i hope that i do too moving forward we we have some chances eventually to meet <laughs> or to work together in some way. Yeah. Thank you Thank so you. much. Thank you, dear listeners, for listening to this special episode of A Minder. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. I would love to hear your feedback, your thoughts, anything you would like to share in response to this conversation or any questions that it's left you with. And I'll be back soon with a regular episode. Have a great day.